Welcome to the Kata Brothers Travel Club, a travel podcast where we explore some of the best destinations through interesting stories from locals and people that have had meaningful experiences around the world. We started this podcast to connect with friends, both old and new, to learn important lessons through traveling. We hope you get as much out of these adventures as we do. Before we get started, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or the follow button on Spotify, so you're always notified when new episodes drop, and so you're officially a member of the Travel Club. Now, grab your passport, because we got a flight to catch. Hey everyone, Jared and Brendan here for another episode of the Kata Brothers Travel Club. Thanks for joining us. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you've been listening since our first episode, uh, we're at our ninth episode now, and we have continued our exploration around the world. Brendan, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm a little bit tired. I just got back from spending a week up in Georgia with my girlfriend. It was great. It was relaxing. We were back at, at her lake house. And then I actually experienced my first time traveling in a plane since COVID. Mm -hmm. It wasn't too bad. It's a short flight from Atlanta to Miami. So I just had to wear a mask for two hours and, you know, just try to keep away from as many people as I could. But other than that, uh, it it wasn't horrible. I'm glad to see things kind of safely returning back to normal. What about you? How are you doing? First of all, let me just say I'm I'm glad that you're safe. I'm glad that you got home from uh, uh, Georgia all right. I Thank was you. a little nervous about you flying for the first time, but I think that we're hoping to uh, get back to traveling a little bit, at, at the very least to see our family in California. Uh, I've been doing all right. I think that it's been a reflective couple of weeks, particularly because of the protesting in the wake of the, the murder of George Floyd. We started this podcast in amidst COVID because we wanted an opportunity to speak with our friends. And, and the more that we have talked to people around the world, the more we've kind of adapted the theme of the podcast to be about inclusivity and togetherness and unification. Um, and, and that was really even right before things started to, to shake up uh, here and, and across the globe. And I think that that we are extremely grateful for the diversity that we've already had on the show. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we we've talked with people from different from different religions, from different races, different ethnicities, uh, even different age categories. Uh, speaking with our grandma on the last episode, and, and I, I think that our commitment to our audience is to continue to do that kind of content uh, that is designed to to build togetherness and to confront things that that make us uncomfortable and and Mm -hmm. and vouch for uh, real and good change across the globe that's something that i think was an unexpected benefit to naming our podcast the travel club Mm -hmm. which was we're able to establish like this a group we are like a a completely inclusive club of people that have a passion for travel and um want to hear about you know everyone's adventures and experiences around the world now more than ever we really want our our audience our listeners to reach out to us either in the dms uh, on instagram or or through twitter uh, or visit us on our website katabrotherstravelclub.com because your story whoever you are is important uh, and your perspective is critical to make this a better planet with that in mind this is another amazing episode with another incredible guest 
We were lucky enough to sit down with one of my good friends, Deanna Cook, who I met at Run Club. I talked about Brickle Run Club on our first episode about Miami. And she is a, a great storyteller and an incredible traveler. She has been all over the world. And what is very unique about her travels is that she does them mostly solo. Yeah, it takes a lot of courage, no matter who you are, to pack up and leave your home for the amount of time that she does. Yeah. You know, she's gone for multiple months traveling across multiple countries and just uh, opening herself up to that kind of experience. It's really an incredible interview and it was a delight to talk to her about this. Before we hear it though, I just wanted to note, I've never done any traveling just on my own. I really want to, especially after talking to her, but I was wondering, have you done any solo trips? Yeah, I did a couple of solo trips. Uh, two that stand out were uh, I was doing an internship in Israel and I decided that I really wanted to go see Petra in Jordan. Nice. Uh, and you can cross the border between Israel and Jordan. And so I asked my friend that I was uh, living there with and he was not interested. And so I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to go on my own. And so I took a bus from Jerusalem to Elat, which is in the south of Israel, and I crossed the border into Jordan, and I took a cab to Petra, and I stayed a couple nights uh, right there at one of the wonders of the world. It was incredible. Uh, that was a really great trip. And then shortly after that, I did a trip to Prague in, uh, in the Czech Republic, or I think it's going by Czechia now. That was a really great trip, too, because not that Prague was my favorite city, although it's very beautiful, but... It was one of my favorite trips because I kind of stumbled across these Brazilian friends that I've kept in touch with now for like almost five years. And that was a really cool part of that adventure that I just was staying in this hostel and they happened to be my roommates and we ended up having a really great time together. And that kind of comes up in, in this interview that we're talking about with Diana. That's something that we keep coming across is a love of travel and adventure is such a good unifying thing, it's like an immediate icebreaker when you're experiencing with people. We heard that from you, we'll hear it from Deanna. We also heard that from Andrew and Casey in our Singapore episode. So I think that's that's really incredible. And I think it underscores a point of this show, which is it's sometimes about the location, but it's often more about the people that you meet. And so without further ado, let's get into our interview with Deanna. Thank you so much for joining us on this interview. It's so great to see you. I haven't seen you, I think, in, a, in like a year. But uh, before we get started, will you please introduce yourself to the audience and let everybody know what you do and where you're living now? Sure, I'm Deanna Cook. I am an account executive for Zoom Video Communications and I'm living in Denver, Colorado. Zoom is one of our biggest sponsors. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to say that. But. I was like, and we're using it right now. <laughs> I was just going to say that, yeah, we're really grateful for, for Zoom um, it's because it's allowing us to do some of this podcast. More than 40 minutes. <laughs> yes, more than 40 minutes. Although we did find out that you can just restart the same meeting. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's, the, that's what I tell people when they're like, $14.99 is too expensive. I'm like, guys, just jump back in the meeting. You guys are good. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, it's, I don't know if you know my brother, but uh, if you don't, this is Brendan. And uh, we started this travel podcast while we were stuck in quarantine as a way to kind of connect with our friends again, as, a, as an excuse to meet new people, even when we were locked down. Um, but you came to mind because I know that you have done some amazing travels in your life. Before we jump into some of those details, I wanted to ask you, what does traveling in general mean to you? Oh, that's a good one. Um... 
traveling to me means happiness. <laughs> um, honestly, I think, I think when I look back at like my life so far, right. Um, when I think of like the happiest moments and the, like the moments that I felt most free and most myself were in moments where I was traveling. So when I've had those moments where you're like, like where you just kind of have to stop and say like, what, my life is so amazing. Like, how am I here right now? Like those like genuine, like pure happiness moments, the majority of them have been while traveling. And so, um, I'm definitely very grateful that I've got, you know, been able to experience a lot of the world. And besides just places, I, I think the people that I've met um, on those kind of adventures is definitely like what makes travel as special as it is. Can you just give like a really quick summary of the, the two big trips that you did, how long they were, and uh, the continent that you were on? Sure. So the first time, um, was a very spontaneous trip. I was actually let go from my job at Cisco and I got a great severance package. Had no idea they would do that. Um, so I was like, peace out. I'm, I left like maybe three weeks later. Um, I flew to New Zealand, then did Australia, um, did some Asian countries. Uh, so like um, Indonesia, Singapore, Thailand. That one was only about two to th maybe three months. Um, and then the second trip, this one I actually saved up for and planned a little bit more, um, was more strategic. And I wanted this one to be a little bit longer. So this one was about five to six months, I believe. Um, and it started off in Switzerland, ended in the Philippines. So it, it was Europe slash Asia, but it was very sporadic. Like I said, I, I actually hate planning any trips. So when I planned this second trip, the 2018 travels, my biggest thing was I just wanted to, the top two countries I wanted to visit were Switzerland and Greece. Um, and then I said, I'm just going to go wherever the wild wind blows me after that. So um, I strategically planned it. So when I quit my job, the it was going to be the perfect time to go to Switzerland. So in August is like the best time for hiking, just because I'm not a big snow sport person. And then um, August, September is also a really good time for Greece. So then after that, it was kind of just bouncing around. Um, the first time I had traveled, I did it completely solo until like the very end um, where my ex-boyfriend met me um, in Thailand. But this time um, I wanted to have more of a mix of meeting up with friends and being solo. So after I did my whole thing, I had a friend meet me in Greece um, and then I met up with friends in Croatia. Then I met up with friends in Germany and then, yeah, kind of bounced around a lot of um, more western european countries and then okay. a little a little pit stop in turkey and then to asia um all the countries a few of the countries that i hadn't done on the previous first trip Very yeah cool. i actually hate planning that's the worst part <laughs> okay then this is going to make for a very interesting uh travel advice interview but i think that that's honestly going to be that's we need to cover all of the people that travel every single different way so yeah a lot of people i think are, are, are just like you and then there's people like me who are like okay and then we'll do this and this is this is so, so how, once we how get, do you go about it then when so are you very do you identify like i have to go here i need to make like what is your kind of strategy my strategy i used to be like super like itinerary based and yeah. then i started to realize that how much i love those days on my trips where i have nothing to do Mm -hmm. So I started to say, okay, so I want to, at some point during what, like we're there on a Wednesday, see yeah. X, Y, like three things. Okay. Whenever we get to them, fuck it. I don't care. But we have, oh, I want to see those things. 
right. and the next day after that is always like a we're just gonna hang out chill walk around see where like see if there's something that entices us if we're in mexico city go into like a little taco shop grab mm -hmm. some mezcal that kind of stuff and so i like to have it basically like stagger like pretty planned day and then like a not very planned. And also I really like, and some people are adamantly against it, but I've always found that the, I, I see the best things when I'm on like kind of a guided tour. A hundred percent. I do love those free walking tours. They, I think the best one I've ever done was in Singapore where um, one of my hostels, it turned out to be a four hour walking tour, but it was done on scooters. And when I say scooters, I mean like old school razor scooters. And so we <laughs> literally went everywhere and hit all the top things. And it was one of the best walking tours. But I, I agree. I think that's one of the best ways to get to know a place. I want to ask you about the beginning of these long trips that you go on. Yeah. I mean, at this point, you're clearly very experienced in planning these uh, extended world tours. What does it feel like when you get to the airport before you embark on the first part of your journey? It's honestly, it, I, I struggle with being excited until like, I am not excited when I'm packing. I actually hate packing and figuring out what I need to bring and all of that. And even when I'm at the airport, I'm like, I could be going anywhere else. It's not until I land and I'm going through like customs or I'm like going through immigration where I'm like, okay, I am here. Or sometimes even in the airport, if it's, if it's a, an English speaking airport, I don't feel that excited. It's not until like I step outside and I'm, you know, people are trying to get you to go into their taxis or it's just that, that moment where I'm like, okay, I'm definitely not in the United States. Like that's when I start getting excited. So that, that's a, that's a perfect lead into my next question, which is yeah. what's the first thing you have to do when you get to your first destination? You know, for example, I don't really feel like I'm on my trip yet until I'm at a bar and I get a beer or like at a restaurant and I grab a cold beer. Mine's like, checking into the hostel. Mine's checking into the hostel. Cause that's when to your point, I do the majority of my trip solo. Um, and so it's when I check in and I'm like, okay, who am I going to befriend so that we can go on some adventures together? That's, that's when it, <laughs> it, it gets real. And um, I think that's the best part of going to hostels. And the majority of my, my trip, I do stay in hostels because that's where I meet everybody. That's very, very strategic of you to kind of set yeah. up your tribe right away. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Long trips are a lot to prepare for. So we kind of wanted to know what is the one thing that you can't travel without? So I, I never get a SIM card or anything like that because I want to be like very present. Whenever I am going to a new country, um, I always like save the directions to like my new hostel. But I'd say probably the biggest thing, if it's just one item, I got this external battery that is the size of a small brick. Um, and it's because I rely so much on my phone and because I don't have data, that brick of a, of a charger, I guess, um, is, I mean, I don't leave without it. Because even in some places where you're in a hostel that doesn't have a plug-in, then it's like, okay, well, where do I charge my phone? So I, I always carry that with me because I never want to run into a situation where I don't have my phone. You know, it's just too much to risk. So I always have that with me. So as we get into your most recent journey, and I think it was in 2018, right? It was, yeah. Oh, you start. You started in Europe. I know it's it, time goes by fast. So fast. Uh, you started in Europe, and uh, it sounds like you went there for some specific countries. But was there one city or one country or or either of them that stand out to you the most? Yeah, in Europe. Yeah. So yeah, I initially wanted um, on my bucket list after my first trip. I knew that I wanted to go to Switzerland and Greece. So we're, those were you know top of the top one, Switzerland, because I love hiking so much and I love mountains. And I 
that completely blew me away. It fulfilled everything. I loved Switzerland. All I did was just hike every day. Um, and then I'm also a huge beach person, right? And Greece was always on my bucket list. I'm like, I am going to get married and I'm going to have a honeymoon in Greece. And I'm like, wait, why do I have to wait for that? Like, I'm just going to go by myself and I'm going to go for three weeks, which is way longer than a honeymoon. But one that stood out to me that I wasn't expecting to love as much as I did was Austria. Um, I think Austria and also Slovenia, both of them, I think are very underrated. And I mean, to be honest, I didn't know much about them um, before I got there, but I actually really liked those two countries for different reasons. I think Austria, again, I got really into hiking on, on this trip. Um, and it was fall and, um, Hochstadt was really cool. I think it's a, I saw it on an Instagram post, a friend had sent it to me and it was, it looked like a fairy tale. Like they were swans. There was like these beautiful homes on the edge of this lake, but with a big mountain background. And that was beautiful. And there was some good hiking around there. Um, and then Slovenia as well. Like you always hear about Switzerland and those mountains, but I mean, Slovenia had really beautiful mountains as well. And, um, I think those are two really underrated countries. So. I would highly uh, recommend those. You were in such a huge variety of places. And so, yeah, you, so across, <laughs> <laughs> you must have come across a pretty wide variety of cuisines while you were traveling around. Were there any that stood out to you, any meals or any restaurants? I mean, I love Greek food. So, I mean, that was just amazing. But then I think European food didn't really stick out to me that much, to be honest. I think I like one that I really liked was like Turkey. That was probably really good food that I, I didn't anticipate um, those kebabs. I ate so many kebabs and it was really good food. Yeah, Europe was not as exciting for me food wise. I think yeah. there's some countries that have really, I mean, Spain is obviously very famous, France, but yeah. as you get a little bit further east, it seems like uh, things kind of start to bleed together. But Turkish food and Mediterranean food is my favorite. Oh, yes, 100. And I know that in Switzerland, I think I paid like, $20 from some potatoes with some cheese on it. So that was, yeah, not anything exciting there either. Yeah, I think I like Asian, the Asian food and, and Turkish food, Mediterranean, probably the best. Now, I, I don't know if you've noticed this uh, in a lot of the countries that you go to, but it seems like a lot of places has their own version of really shitty grain alcohol. And that kind of tastes like licorice. I don't know if you remember this. So it's got like Aguadente in Colombia or Arak in yeah. Israel, even Jägermeister in Austria and uh, Germany. So did you encounter any of these terrible liquors? And what, what's the absolute worst drink you had when you were in Europe? Because I'm going to be honest, I didn't drink that much when I was in Europe. I think the probably the worst one was when I did like a boat tour in Budapest. And it was one of those where like, hey, you pay $10 and you can get unlimited drink. And I don't know what I drink in there. But yeah, I, I'm not a huge drinker when I travel. Um, and I think maybe because I am a solo traveler and I am a girl, like, I feel like I have to always be kind of on. And I know that I don't want to ever put myself at risk. And, you know, I could have a drink or two. But yeah, I try to kind of avoid it um, just to kind of make sure that I'm, okay, I'm here by myself. Like, I have to be smart a little bit. Um, unless I'm, like, with good friends and, and good company, then, you know. <laughs> that sounds very smart. And, and that's... Uh, <laughs> that sounds so other... boring, right? <laughs> no, no, it's great advice. I mean, that kind of conscientiousness is is something that I think listeners want to know about because you were a solo traveler and uh, as a woman solo traveler, which is, I think, an extra layer of, of bravery in some of the places around the world. Um, and we definitely want to he hear about that, I think, a little bit more uh, as we give, as we ask for more advice for other solo travelers. But before we move on from Europe, you went there for hiking, but I also want to know, was there any country that you... Uh, 
saw in Europe that you felt had the most incredible history, the most colorful history and the best sites to see? Probably in terms of history, obviously, um, Germany. That, I mean, we saw, so I went, actually, then I totally just have to take a step back because I definitely drank in Germany for Oktoberfest. actually decided to go there like three days before. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. So I was actually with my um, friends sailing in Croatia and they're like, oh, um, Oktoberfest is going on. I was like, wait, really? And I'm like, I would never go to Germany for Oktoberfest, but I'm like, well, dang, it's just like right there. And so I actually did decide to go to Germany and I drank a lot of beer. Um, I actually drank a Rattler. Have you guys, you've done Oktoberfest, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, you haven't? Okay, yeah, so I'm not a huge beer drinker. I became one, but they had these Rattlers, which is just like half lemonade and half beer, kind of. So it's like a lighter, lighter kind of beer. And so then, you know, you drink those in those giant things. So yeah, I definitely did drink a lot of those. Totally lied to you guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, but I was with friends, so it was okay. Um, but in terms of history, Germany, I think that was cool to see the different sides, like the east and west, and even the things as simple as like a traffic light. Like you could see the difference between the east side and the west side and in the architecture, um, you could see a, a big distinction. Um, I did go to Poland just to see um, Auschwitz. So that was in terms of historical, I was like, wow, I've never been to a concentration camp or seen that side. But it, you know, I think it, it is good to have fun and have all these experiences. But if you can also mix in some history and it's interesting to see as well. It seems to be everywhere when you're in a place like Europe and, and also when you uh, move on to Asia, it's hard to avoid it because uh, it's so colorful and so incredible. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's really just right on the ground that you're stepping on a lot of the time. Yeah. Now, by my count, and I hope she'll correct me, Deanna has been to at least 17 different countries in Europe. And on this specific trip, she was bouncing around the continent for a few months. Eventually, she ended up in Turkey, and that was really the transition into her experiences in Asia during this trip. Yep, so after Turkey, um, then it flew into um, Chiang Mai, but I didn't stay there. It was just the start of the kind of two-day boat ride to then go to Laos. So in Asia, um, it was just Laos, South Korea, Japan, and Philippines. So it was just those four. Plus, so you kind of jumped around a little bit. It wasn't like trains or anything. Yeah, no, I kind of... Again, I try to make it so that I would meet up with some friends along the way. Um, yeah, it was kind of very spontaneous. Like, it was just like, oh, what country do I want to go to next kind of thing. Again, no planning, guys. This was very off the cuff. Now, wait, there is one story that I know is, is particularly interesting, and that is when you took a, a boat ride uh, to mm -hmm. Laos. Can you yeah. elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, that one was a really fun experience. You know, you kind of go from... Europe, which is a little bit more bougie, right? It's like really nice, everything's expensive and it's, and then, but I'd missed kind of, you know, the, the fun and, and kind of the, I don't know, how would I describe it? I don't want to call it a South Asian, like, I don't want to call it a struggle, but it's kind of a little bit of suffering. Yeah. Like I kind of missed that, right? Because the first, the first trip that I did was out of a backpack. I had just one small backpack and I, you know, I had four shirts, two shorts, a pair of leggings, tennis shoes. It was very simple. It was like me, no makeup. I packed a hairbrush. Yeah, it was a struggle, but I wanted to be like super minimalist, right? That was the first trip. And then I said, this time around on this 2018 trip, I'm like, I'm going all out. 
I'm going to look cute. I'm not going to be wearing the same four shirts, you know, rotating. Um, I'm going to pack a full suitcase and a backpack. Like I brought makeup. I brought, you know, straightener. I even brought a pair of heels, which again, this is the complete opposite of my first trip. I wanted to make this one like a more bougie fun one. So when I went to Europe, that was, you know, fell in line there. And then trip from um, Thailand to, to Laos, that was a two day boat trip. It was in this like long boat. Um, and actually the first time around, there was one boat, but we were, my friends and I, that, my friends, people that I just met there that I ended up hanging out the rest of the time that I was in the country. Um, there was a group of four of them and then myself. So we were five. They actually ended up overselling the boat. And so people were packed in there like sardines. And then we came in late, but that first boat was already completely stacked full. Then then they brought in a second boat just for us, which was amazing. You'd think that even it out. So we were like laid out, sprawled out, just like floating down this like, wide super wide but very brown and murky um river and we it was just like hours just blasting our music um hanging out that one was really really fun um and then we stopped on the side of the river spent the night like yeah very simple place and then day two we tried that same strategy but what happened was that there was actually less people and instead of getting any actual seat, we ended up being right next to this engine and it was just roaring, just like couldn't hear each other, like even though we were right next to each other. We tried to escape one time, the roof was like made of tin and we like climbed out the window and like on top and then the captain like yelled at us to get down. Yeah, it was such a fun experience, but it was, it was a big contrast be between you know, that day one versus day two. But again, there was a way faster way. I could have bought a flight for, you know, probably $15 and just flown there. But I think that's like part of the experience, right? Like that struggle, the story. Like when I travel Asia, like I like to be a little bit more authentic. Like I'm never going to hire a driver to like take me to all the places. Like I want to try to flag down somebody on the street and then like kind of find it myself or be a little bit more adventurous in that sense. So I kind of like welcome the struggle, if you will. But yeah, that was, um, that was an experience for sure. That was a good time. When you visit so many different destinations, I'm sure it's hard to keep track of what your favorites are. But we asked Deanna to pick a few anyways, just because, hey, we're trying to build our bucket list. In Asia, so I loved Laos. I mean, in terms of cities, Long Prabang is where we kind of spent most of the time. And then some of them are kind of hard to pronounce. But whenever I would go to a city, I'd try to like find maybe a lesser known city, but like that people recommended from the original city, right? So I think we went like one that was a few hours away, um, a little bit further north or something like that. But I really liked um, that city that I don't know the name of. And from South Korea, I mean, when I was in South Korea, I went to Seoul. Um, I actually really liked that. That was where people were so friendly. Honestly, I had South Korea as kind of just a pit stop. I'm like, okay, I just need a place to relax before I go to Japan. I'm like, just gonna chill. I had no idea how much people partied in um, in Seoul, and I was there for a weekend. It's like the equivalent of like Miami over there. So I actually did end up staying really late. I had so much fun. We um, I met people from my hostel who had friends that lived there, and so they kind of took us under their wing. We did some karaoke, like the kind where you know you order a whole bunch of food, and it was just you know us singing rice wine back to the drinks. I. I tried rice wine. I'd never had that before. Actually, if I'm talking about Asia and the one that I think was one of my favorites was Chargao in the Philippines. It's this like smaller 
island and it's known for surfing and I'm not a surfer at all, but I'm like, I'm going to become a surfer, obviously. So I would stay there for a week and I would just like wake up in the morning. I'd go to the place across the street where I would rent a board. You'd basically hire like a, somebody, a surfer, like an actual surfer to teach you. And I did that like the first few days I had them. I thought I was a good surfer and I'm like, I don't need them anymore. Like they're always like pushing me. They're telling me which waves to grab. And then I'm like, okay, I've got this on my own. Um, so I remember just getting the motorbike, tying the surfboard to my motorbike, going to the secret island, like spot, the secret spot is what they called it. And I was there for two hours and I didn't catch a single wave. And I'm like, I thought I was good. And it was actually just the surfer being like, okay, paddle now, push. And then he was the one that made me great. But um, it was just very authentic. When I travel, I don't like to feel like super touristy. Like I try to avoid top tourist places just because I'm like, I loved Greece. I loved Ia. Like I thought it was beautiful. But one thing that like really took away from that was just how many people there were there. You know, tour groups with little stickers filing in, everyone getting that perfect picture. You know, that doesn't seem very authentic to me. Shargao in the Philippines was like so authentic. Like I would, I remember just, meeting like we had a big group and we were riding through like the streets like at sunset and oh we're hungry we're gonna stop at this like little shack at the side of the road and we paid 50 cents got like a plate full of noodles and like I think was maybe some sort of meat it, it just was very genuine and authentic and yeah I felt like very free it was yeah it was awesome amazing that's incredible that incredible yeah. so just one last question that I want to ask about you on on your trips uh, in and especially in the Asia section uh, was there a historic landmark there that really stood out to you? Um, so I, I visited a lot of like, kind of like temple palaces in um, Japan and also like South Korea. But one thing that was pretty cool when I was in Laos is like they actually had a sign that talked about how many bombs were um, in the area. So I had no idea that basically they called it maybe like a secret war all these bombs were being dropped in Laos that um, have not gone off essentially. So there's a lot of undetonated, I cannot speak, is that the right word? Um, yeah, so there's, I mean, all these bombs, and I think there was a sign at one of, um, actually one of my favorite hikes when we were in Laos, I wanna pull up the picture. Yeah, it's the equivalent of a plane load of bombs every eight minutes, 24 hours a day for nine years. Like when I read, I, I like started reading into that and I was like, that is just so insane. We were genuinely afraid to go off the main path. We had heard stories and we were like looking up articles of like kids finding a piece of plastic and then like losing an arm or like older people going in the fields and like starting to dig and like blowing off their leg. There, there's a lot of risk. That is really interesting. <laughs> And and it's crazy that it's, it's Laos. Like you don't. Like even, what? Like said, it's a secret war. Like I yeah. had no idea. I would have never known that. I wouldn't even have thought of that as being the most interesting historic site in in Asia. But I mean, it, it really <laughs> does speak to the history that happened there. I mean, as much as we want to pretend it didn't happen, it's because well, uh, it's one of those things, right? For me, temples are honestly like all of those kind of start to blend together. <laughs> so bad to say, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. Whatever, <laughs> another temple. Who cares? Oh, this is nice. <laughs> that's that's totally fair, and, that, and I think that that's a great answer. Uh, again, I, I I love when it's not the normal answer. Everybody's gonna say like Angkor Wat or or Taj Mahal, and those are beautiful places. But there's something a little bit more tangible about history that's closer to the present. 
Well, that is so fascinating, Diana. Thank you for telling us about your journeys, your experiences in these countries. But before we let you go, I think that our audience would be really interested to hear more advice from a solo traveler, from a female solo traveler, so that maybe they can prepare for their own experiences. Maybe they want to go on an expedition themselves. I think your insight is super important, super valuable. Uh, so we have a couple questions about what it's like to uh, travel on your own. Mm -hmm. So first of all, pretty straightforward. What's the best advice you could give to a first-time solo traveler? To just do it. I think a lot of times people are like, I'm not going to take that trip until I know that so-and-so can go with me or until my friends can make it work or, or until I have time. Like, I think a lot of it, you just, if it's something that you want to do, like, don't think twice about it. Like, book that flight, even if it means you have to go by yourself. I think that's the biggest step. Once you book the flight, that's it then it's okay, what hostel am I staying at or what Airbnb? And then it's, all right, who am I going to meet along the way? What tools do you use to uh, find your hostels or find the, the trails that you're going to go on? Yeah, so I lived in hostel world. That was my, my favorite. I look at a lot of the reviews and, you know, and it says like, what, what countries are people from that, you know, that are visiting? Um, so I look at that, make sure there's like diversity there. You mentioned what a huge part of these trips, the friends that you made while you were there were yeah. for like your experience. How do you go about making friends on your adventure? That's a great question. Um, I talked to, I could talk to a brick wall, so it's not really saying much, but I, as soon as I get anywhere, I, I just say hi to people. Like, I'm like, oh, hi, I'm Deanna. Like I introduce myself. And I'm like, oh, like, how long have you guys been here? Ask a lot of questions and people love to talk about themselves. So I, you know, ask like, where are you from? Like, how long are you traveling? You do that whole like charade. That was like, every time I'd go to a new hostel, it was like the same questions, right? Like, oh, like I'm so-and-so, where are you from? Like, how long are you traveling for? Where are you going to next? Where have you been? Um, what do you have planned like the next couple of days? That was like my go-to because a lot of times it was tough when people would be like at the tail end of their day and they're like, oh, I'm leaving tomorrow or trying to find people who haven't visited the things that you want to go see and then trying to coordinate. But honestly, you have to just be open to like going up and not being afraid to start a conversation. The good thing is that, especially if you're a solo traveler, there's a lot of other solo travelers there too. And I think it's actually easier to meet people when you're not traveling with anybody else. I found that the times that I would meet my friends and travel with them, I didn't meet anybody else because I didn't feel like I had to, right? But when you're a solo traveler, you have to meet other people. There's a lot of people in the same boat or who might be a little bit more shy. So like just introducing yourself or it's like an icebreaker. Yeah, I, that was like my favorite part of, um, of traveling is just like all these people that I met from different countries. And then that's why I also don't like planning too much is because when you talk to all these people and you're like, oh, where are you going to next? And that might change your, you know, completely derail your travel plans because you're like, okay, actually I'll go along with you guys. Is there anybody that you've kept in touch with that you met on your trips? Oh, yeah, definitely. One of my closest ones probably is my friend Kat. So I met her in New Zealand. And then the second round trip, she actually met me in Greece. So she's from London, right? So she met me in Greece and we spent like four days in Corfu. Um, and she had actually visited me in Miami when I lived there. So she flew out, visited me in Miami. We almost didn't make our flight to Cuba because we went to SLS the night before or the day before, um, but we did, we made it. <laughs> so we went to Cuba together too. That one was a crazy one. Um, yeah, that's a whole other story oh, there. We'll, but, we'll um, have to call you yeah, back. Yeah, that's Cuba. another, yeah. <laughs> but um, it was cool, right? So like I met her um, when I was in New Zealand, met a friend and I stayed with him when I was in Germany for Oktoberfest. I guess one last one that was pretty cool was I met 
people in Australia and then I met them at the airport and then ended up staying the whole time I was in Indonesia. We traveled the, in, the entire like week and a half together. So it's like all these people that like, you know, still to this day, like we have conversations talking about like upcoming trips too. So probably the best part. As Deanna talked about in the beginning of the episode, she did two long solo trips, one in 2015 and one in 2018. So something that I was really curious about, especially having never done a solo trip myself, was what had she learned from her first trip that she took with her into her second trip? I think actually I, I wanted to do something different. My first round, it was, I would try not to spend a lot of money. I was very efficient, like very budget. Like I stayed in really inexpensive hostels. I didn't want to splurge. I always, I never said no to any experiences, but like I didn't really splurge on like um, any accommodation. I tried not to eat like super um, expensive meals, like more local. Um, but then when I did my 2018 trip, I was like, YOLO, like I am spending all the money. I don't care. I, I blew so much money in Switzerland and Greece. It was insane. Like, I'm like, I'm going to stay in a little white house. I'm going to do fancy Airbnbs every once in a while, like um, hotels every once in a while. And so I think it's not maybe, you know, I think they were different types of travel and they were both awesome in their own way. But I think also not being afraid to truly enjoy it. Um, I think that was one thing that I, I changed. So I liked rusting it with that first trip and it was cool to experience it that way. But then at the same time, I'm like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I can always make more money in my life. Like I know money doesn't bring me happiness, but these experiences do. And it's okay to like splurge and like, you know, spend a lot of money. That's like really bad advice. I normally don't do that, <laughs> but um, it's good to, I think, spoil yourself every once in a while. Cause I think it can get tiring staying in hostels, especially if you're doing longer extended trips someone's taking, you know, six months to a year, you need that time just like, all right, I need alone time by myself, reset. Now I'm ready to like be fun and like meet all these people again and be more social, right? Yeah. Before we let you go, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about what's different about being a woman solo traveler. I think that that's something that's it's so brave. It's, it's something that I really admire about your adventures. I'm going to kind of take a path that's like one, a little bit more pessimistic, but we'll end in okay. like a really good place. <laughs> So the first question I want to ask, not to deter people, but was there anywhere yeah. that you traveled where you felt like you had to be a little bit more cautious as a woman? Mm -hmm. Yes. And it wasn't necessarily on any of these trips. I think there are, when I'm by myself, like truly by myself, there have been moments where I like, not put on an act almost, but like, I'm a very friendly person and I say hi to everyone. And like, I, put, I call it like my mean mug in case, like I'm just like serious and like look mean when I walk and I walk like with purpose and I like don't make any eye contact with anyone. And so I really did try to avoid going around at night. Like sometimes you can't avoid it, right? Like a train comes in late and like, it is what it is. Like I just try to, I mean, my big thing was just like finding people who were going the same place I was. Like I constantly was trying to like find other people that looked like younger, that looked like travelers. The one time where I did feel a little bit sketched out was in Brazil um, as a female, like I think a few blocks down from where I stayed, there was like a hostage situation and they had like the equivalent of the SWAT team there. And then we were walking around, even when I was with a couple, um, we were like slightly a little bit older, but two people in the span of maybe 15 minutes were like 
you need to put your phone away. Like anybody can rob you. It's just like one of those things where I'm like, dang, this is it's a little scary out there. And I'm a very carefree person where I'm like, I'm fine. No one's going to bother me. But anytime that I'm in the dark or like completely alone and there's nobody around me, that's when I'm like, all right, I'm not going to be friendly. I have to kind of be a little bit mean and like just kind of keep to myself and walk with a purpose and get get to my destination as fast as I can. But you know, there is risk being a woman, even here in the US. I don't like running at night, even here in Denver, it's safe, but I try to avoid it because, you know, anybody could, could do whatever. And it's, it's something that I always think about. You, you've given us your advice for general solo travelers, but if you were speaking to another woman who was thinking about doing one of these solo trips, uh, what would be your message to her or to those, those ladies? I would say still just book it. Oh. <laughs> um, but I would say, this is when, what would I say to, like there's power in numbers, right? And so I think, try to make friends. Anything that you can do to keep yourself safe. I remember one time I was like really hungry and it was like, I'd gotten in so late, but I really wanted to go, what city was that in? It was in the Philippines, it was in Manila. Manila was, Manila was a little sketch at night, I'll be honest. We were in a hostel and there was no restaurants around. The closest one was like a mile and a half block. And it was like, a, Jolly Bee or something and I had just gotten there all I wanted to go to sleep but I was like really hungry and I remember like this guy I'm like hi I am so sorry to like bother you and I know it's bedtime but like do you mind walking to Jolly Bee with me like because I haven't had dinner yet like and I know that's super awkward and I know we just met but like do you want to go with me and like, people are so open and understanding and, like wanting to help so like the guy was like yeah sure he didn't even eat anything right but like he sat with me while I ate dinner and then we walked back together I would have not done that walk by myself. I probably would have just like slept through and then wait until the next morning. But not being afraid of asking somebody to like join you or for help just because you don't want to be a bother. Like people understand. People understand if you feel unsafe and they're willing to, to do that. But you also have to ask, right? So I, how would I put that a little bit more eloquently and oh. short? I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> that, That's really good advice. I, I think that even in, that's great advice for life in general is to just really yeah. be able to talk to somebody, to, to make connections. Um, but yeah. it's especially important when uh, you're seeing the world and traveling alone. So, I mean, that is some beautiful world advice, really. So <laughs> Make friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then besides friendly. that, um, what else would I do? I would check my, in with my mom every day, but that was because of my mom. She would always be like, okay, what city are you in and what country? Like, and I think the other biggest thing is like to follow your gut. Um, and like, if you're like, if something doesn't feel right, um, I know one time we were on a motorbike and we were, just met someone local and they're like, come follow us this way. And they were kind of leading us in a sketch way. And I'm like, guys, something doesn't feel right. Like I, we need to turn around. We just need to leave. And like, we just booked it and just left realizing like, if something doesn't feel right, most likely than not, it's, there's something wrong there. So like being really true to your like intuition as well. Feeler always like, I'm, I was never on my phone. If it was like in a sketch spot, I always put my phone away, put my valuables away. And I was like, okay, I'm focused. I'm paying attention to everything around me. Like, what's my escape plan if something bad happens? Not being mm -hmm. paranoid, but being alert. Excellent advice. Mm -hmm. The last thing I wanted to ask you is, after quarantine's over, where are you going next? Oh, okay, so I really do want to go to Patagonia. That's next on my list. Awesome. I'm trying to get somebody to go with me, but you guys know my own advice that if I can't find someone to go with me, I'll probably go by myself. Um, <laughs> I heard that um, Thanksgiving time is pretty good, so November. But that's, that's, I don't know. Do you think that's going to happen? November, we'll be traveling by then? That is a great question. Uh, that's I'm, afraid of, 
I've, I'm afraid to buy the ticket. I'm 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 being extra cautious this year, as much as I hate to say it. I'm doing I'm looking at domestic for this year. Although some countries are doing a lot better than us as far as controlling coronavirus, but I don't know if they'll want us to go. That's know? what. It, yeah, I was, I was talking to my friend. He's Brazilian, but he was like, I don't think that those countries want us there. I'm like, yeah, oh, that's a bummer. But yeah, I do want to do that. And then um, I'm turning 30 in December. And so I never had a quinceanera and I'm Mexican, right? So that's like, what? How did my mom not do that? Um, so I'm having a doble quinceanera. So my 30th. So I'm thinking like maybe Mexico. I'm like, fingers crossed that happens. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to be born or stuck just here in Denver until until yeah. then. But We, we so, love Mexico City, one of our favorite places to be. But there's a lot of places. No, I've never been to Mexico City. Oh, it's crazy. A, it's incredible. So many places to see. Like it's just it's so yeah. huge and the, the pyramids are great, but the food scene is incredible. Gosh, I know. I think that's one of the most have you guys been to Tulum? No, we haven't been to Tulum. No, yeah. we'll have to do that. Have you done that one? Yeah. No, that that's where that's my thirtieth, if you know. Everybody says that's awesome. whole thing. Uh, well, listen, this has been really wonderful and you've yeah. been to so many places. We hope that you'll consider coming on again. Yeah, of course. Then I'm going to have to listen to your other podcast now that I haven't been to any of those, those <laughs> countries. Before we let you go, are there any shout outs that you want to give? Maybe friends that you've met along the way or, or particularly good hostels? Oh, um, I will give, uh, I already talked about her, but I will give my friend Kat a shout out from London. <laughs> well, shout out to you, Diana. Thank you so much for joining us yeah, today. Episode. We'll have you back on for a couple other stories and maybe uh, we'll have to uh, meet you in one of these destinations someday. Yes, that sounds awesome. One day, one day. All right. Thank you, you so much. Thanks, yeah, Diana. of course. Thank you so much, Deanna. That was an awesome interview. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. I know that you have a lot more stories and we only had one episode uh, to cover a big trip that you had been on. We hope that you'll join us again, whether you're going to cover a city guide for Denver or whether you have other destinations that you uh, want to tell stories from. You're always welcome on the Cotta Brothers Travel Club. And this 2018 trip sounded so amazing, uh, really is inspiring me to get back out there as soon as it's safe to do so. We're still being cautious, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of places that are calling me. Absolutely. I feel like her story really opened me up to the idea of doing these long-term trips. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's something that I've never really considered because I've always been a little bit afraid of the amount of preparation that I would need to feel safe and feel ready to take that on. But I loved her message of just, if you want to do it, just go do it. Yeah. Because it'll never feel like enough to be gone and away from your home for that many months at a time. The preparation will never feel like enough. Mm -hmm. So I think that that was really inspiring and something that will hopefully help to propel me to a long-term trip. I think it sounds really fun. Yeah. I've always wanted to do a multi-month trip and... Um... I don't know. You know, there's only a few opportunities, I think, in your life to really take that chance and, and go and uh, book like a one way flight for and expect to be gone for a, a long time. So I hope I get that opportunity. I, I think that it is really cool to uh, to talk to people that have done it. Mm -hmm. And we have a few other friends that have uh, taken the same types of trips. So we're definitely going to be talking to them as well. But for now, we hope that this episode has inspired our audience the same way that it has inspired us. And uh, keep listening, keep tuning into the Cotta Brothers Travel Club. We'll have another episode for you coming up soon.
Thanks for listening to the Cotta Brothers Travel Club. This is a good chance to let you all know that we have a website. Go to cottabrotherstravelclub.com to find our city guides, travel essays, and the best way to contact us directly. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Look for Cotta Bros underscore Travel Club. We want to keep building this community of explorers. So please hit us up on social media or on our website so you can share your adventures and stories from around the world. Finally, we know these are challenging times. This podcast was our outlet for self-expression, and we appreciate our listeners, friends, and family that are helping us to make it possible. However, if you are ever feeling sad, isolated, or even displaced, please reach out to us. Even the most experienced traveler gets lost sometimes and needs some help to find their way. We hope you'll tune in next time, and most importantly, welcome to the club.